0: Yeah, so no, I'm not trying to make light of anything happen in this movie or anything like that, okay? Mm-hmm. But a question for you, though. Okay. Imagine you've been part of a real-life event and then they're making a movie about it and then you hear that Stanley Tucci is going to play you.
1: My dreams have come true.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> wow, right?
1: He's Stanley perfect.
0: Tucci. he absolutely perfect. I don't think I recognised it until this movie, but he is.
1: How did you not recognise it until this movie?
0: No, well, I I did know, I think, but it just, this movie sort of ran home for me. Stanley Tucci.
1: Stanley Tucci. Hello there, welcome to
0: I Only Like You and Movies. My name is Lonnie, her name is Sine. How are you doing, Sine? Hi, I'm good, thanks. That's wonderful to hear. Is it, are you good because we watched a movie?
1: Um, sure. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I'm still in lockdown, but like, Mm. you know, take the wins where you can.
0: (laughs) At least you had two hours of thinking about something else. However, not the most exciting or lovely movie to watch because of the subject matter. As a movie though, I think it was pretty good. We've seen Mm. Worth. That's what I'm kind of trying to get at. (laughs) It's new on Netflix. Um, Really, it's quite current and quite um, topical. Every now and then, we you and I get onto a topical movie right on time, um, kind of by virtue of us having to record things sort of week by week at the moment because you're in lockdown and we can't bank up our movies like we, we no sometimes banking. do. No. no
1: pre-recording. I know. This is live, everybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, So, yes, Worth, if you don't know um, what it's about, it is a nine eleven 11 drama. Um, as we're recording, you and I, on September 11, 20 years. Isn't that bizarre to think?
1: Makes me feel very old.
0: What are your memories in the 9 tonight?
1: Um So I remember the morning it happened because I was in grade four mm-hmm. and I was at a new school and I got woken up in the morning and told that a plane had hit the Twin Towers and I didn't know what that was because I was nine years old. Um, in Australia, yeah, yeah, definitely. And then I got yelled out for not knowing what the Twin <laughs> Towers were. Um, but I remember going to school and then... I don't know if we were supposed to have an assembly anyway or they brought us into an assembly, mm. but they sort of all sat us down. It was one of those, like, primary school assemblies where you're all sitting cross-legged on the concrete and the teachers are just up the front with a microphone. Did you have um, a
0: piece of carpet you had to sit on?
1: No. We were straight on the concrete. Wow. Okay. Old school. <laughs> um, and I think they tried to sort of explain it to us and, and talk to us about it. Mm. Um but I remember seeing the footage and it's, you know, see it into my brain of people jumping from the towers and it's mm-hmm. one of the most horrific things I've ever seen. So, um, yeah. And then I was, when I went to America um, ages ago now, I went to Ground Zero and saw the sort of memorial that was there. Um, and there was a really moving tribute where they did sort of a hologram light show where they sort of projected mm-hmm. the shape of the tower into the sky which is really, really moving. Um, yes, yeah, so that's my experience. Do you remember where you were when that happened?
0: Well, I remember I used to get up earlier to watch like cartoons and things before, like on cheese TV and whatever, on on a, on a morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but that morning every channel was on the same thing. I didn't understand what was going on. Um, and then I don't remember really what happened after that, but I do remember very clearly being like, yeah, my cartoons went on, which is not like the thing I'm <laughs> trying to make light of or anything, but that is how I understood it or how it was yeah became known to me that this was a big thing. And then I find nine eleven quite interesting, but also I don't like seek out information about it because it is just so horrific and Yeah. There's just so much um, trauma associated with it. Like that the whole world went through, or at least the Western world mm. in a very personal like way, even though, you yeah, know, Our lives changed here in Australia, even though we're not exactly Mm. directly related to it.
1: I think because Um, we were kids too, like this was the first sort of big national event that mm. I, well, the Sydney Olympics, but like sort of a trauma event that I Mm. was a part of. Um, And it's so hard when you're a kid because you don't really understand what's happening and then you piece Mm. things together as the years go on. Yeah. And it really just changed everything. Like I think we all thought that war in the Western world was sort of over, mm. you know. We had our two big ones, and we had Vietnam, um, but this sort of disrupted the sort of idyllic attitude towards life, and it was ve- it's very destabilizing.
0: Oh, definitely, and and we're still dealing with the aftermath now, and I think we will be for a very long time. So yeah. Yeah, to talk at the movie, I mm. think I think nine eleven can be one of those things that, that, if handled badly, it can be awful. Yeah. In, in terms of media, and it's a really fine line with such a a huge dramatic event to, um, dramatic and traumatic event to make it, um, do it in the right way, show the proper respect, but also deal with um, things in a respectful manner, but at the same time dealing with it in a proper manner, not just going over the top all about american freedom or mm. you know yeah you know, i'm trying to get it it's a hard line to to cross and to yeah follow. i did
1: i did wonder whether this film fell into sort of a trauma porn category yeah um, i think
0: i could see where you're coming from there
1: which is sort of a new concept and i don't think people have really understood it but essentially it's you know feeling good because you're Watching these people going through such a terrible thing, and you can be like, "Oh, aren't they so brave? Aren't they so great?" And it's, you know, a form of exploitation, essentially.
0: Yeah, like you can borrow their trauma for a little while, have a cry, and then move on with your life. Yeah. But then they they still have to deal with it. It's still their life yeah. afterwards.
1: Um, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know whether where this film falls on that scale, but um, it was something I was thinking about consciously as I watched it mm-hmm. that I didn't want to feel like. Mm. I don't know what I'm trying to say.
0: You don't want to exploit the people involved in the real life people, no. maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's exactly right. Uh, so we should probably talk about what it's about. Yeah. If people don't know, so the worth of the title is to do with um, how to value a person's life, and that's actually in relation to Michael Keaton's character, uh, Ken Feinberg. It's it's a real life story. It's well based on a real life story. Um, he was the, like the lawyer who sort of was in charge of the. Um, the 9-11 fund for the families of the victims.
1: Yeah, to compensate them.
0: Yeah, and so it, it's, I think it's an interesting point, the film, about like, it obviously we wanted to compensate the people who were affected and their families and people who died and people who left behind. Um, but it seems like, kind of cynically, the government was just as worried, if not more worried, about the lawsuits that might take place over the next 10, 15 years, yeah. and how the the um airlines might have been bankrupted by these lawsuits. Did I and I didn't think about this until I read a review this morning of it. its Brisbane Times website. But the question in the review was why like the US government didn't kill the people and neither did the airlines. Are we sure that the airlines would have had to pay up for this? What yeah. do you think about that?
1: Well I think that was the issue with the the bill that they put through Congress, right? That they rewrote mm. so that there wasn't recourse for them to sue the airlines or something. I didn't mm-hmm. follow that bit 100% to be honest. Um yeah, so the i the idea is that you set up a compensation fund and actively try to give people money so that they mm-hmm. don't sue and then by them suing the airlines it would collapse the economy essentially. It's sort of the
0: And I guess it could see. it could take a decade or two to actually get all the litigation yeah. finished. And then you know, it's no guarantee they'd actually get any money. There's actually a line about that. It's like, we give the money, give them the compensation now within like a year or two, mm. or like guaranteed it, or we could wait 10, 20 years. Yeah. All we do is bankrupt everybody, and no one actually gets the outcome that would be suitable.
1: Yeah, which is interesting because if you put it in those terms, the fund makes sense, like absolutely. But then mm. the way that the film treats it, and I think rightly so, especially by Stanley Tucci's character, is that it's so clinical. It's such a clinical way to decide how much you Mm. pay someone for their partner or their parent or their son or whatever dying. Mm -hmm. Like Mm. how do you put a price on someone's life? And there's Mm. complications in the film of, you know, do CEOs get paid more than janitors and do Mm. people with life insurance get paid more than people who didn't have life insurance? And a lot of... complications to this sort of rigid set of rules that they developed for themselves.
0: Exactly. And, and so Michael Keaton's character, he comes in as a very experienced lawyer who has dealt in these sort of cases before about compensation for people in, involved in like Agent Orange and other um, big traumatic events. And it's working out. He's kind of like, there's like nothing, nothing fair about this. And there's actually no way to actually put a figure on someone's life the only thing that's fair is the number you agree on mm. is kind of the, his opinion at the beginning of the film, and then obviously that will change as the film goes on. We'll, we'll talk about spoilers, but it was a good film, and I think you should watch it if you are up to it. Um, but you're you're right, Sine. So all those questions there, I think the way they're dealing with it, like all the how do you deal with all these different individual circumstances, because there's over two thousand people who they have to sort of work out a figure for. I think one approach obviously is just to have a standard formula yeah and then just try to avoid any of the actual individual circumstances so then you don't have to think too much about it and like yeah here's the formula we've got a formula that sort of works Mm -hmm. for most people um and it's not fair but nothing's fair so let's just go with it is kind of yeah where he's coming from at the beginning and obviously that you know the film is, is meant to make us shake up that opinion but in some ways i can kind of see where they're coming from because if there's no easy way to do it, maybe we should just have a, a, a simple formula and then try and, you know, the the best for the most sort of people. Yeah. But that's not right, is it, as well? Like obviously, obviously it's not, not right.
1: Yeah. It's hard. Like, I think this, something this film raises as well is the sort of collateral damage of the emotional impact of it. Mm-hmm. Like, these people who are in charge of doing this don't want to be able to engage with the victims because... Once you do, you're just crying forever. You're just mm. com- you ruined your whole life, and you can't. Like if we if we sat back and allowed ourselves to feel something, there was a really great quote you sent me the other day. Actually, mm. I'm just going Sounds to try like and me. find that quickly. Do you know remember I mean? the quote?
0: Yeah, so it about if you don't understand something both intellectually and emotionally, you don't actually understand it intellectually. I think that was the the crux of the matter. Yeah, and so in in relation to Gladys Berjuklian and ongoing pandemic here in Australia at the moment, um, it was about how, well, yes, people will die, but you'll be able to go to their funerals, which is what the Prime Minister said, and other things that you know we have to understand that we have to open up the economy to get the economy going. Sadly, people will die, but that's just sort of what we have to deal with because some things are more important than that and so you're like paying lip service to the idea that oh some people will die but you know we've got everyone needs to move on because it's you know the other other consequences could be even worse but even by saying that you're not really engaging with the idea that people will die when you Mm -hmm. do this Mm -hmm. and i think you we can try and bring it back to this film today which i think is what you were doing how do you see that working in this film so the intellectual engagement of we can try and put a figure on your husband's life but emotionally we can't actually, it'd be hard to deal deal with that emotionally because in an emotional sense, you can't put a figure on someone's life that doesn't actually compute, does it?
1: And there's a line by one of the characters, Frank Donato, Chris Tardio plays him, Mm. um, about he says it's easier for you guys if you see us as figures, as statistics, right? Mm. And they're like, well, yep, it is, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And I, I don't know. I don't know whether the end result of this fund was a good thing or not i mean most people like did claims through the fund i think there were 95 people or so who didn't engage with it
0: Mm -hmm.
1: obviously i'm not saying i don't want them to be compensated i just mean the way that they set up their sort of formula and this film there's a we're going to get into some spoilers but there's a Mm. redemption arc for michael keaton's character where he sort of realizes that he has to engage on an emotional level with the victims and he has to listen to them Um, even though previously he's like, well, we're not their therapists, but, you know, it's their job. They've got to listen to these people, tell Mm -hmm. their stories and figure out what the best thing is. I don't know if that happened in real life. I don't know if they made variations to the formula to compensate people who might have slipped through the cracks. I don't know whether that's a nice Hollywood sort of ending for us, you know.
0: Well, actually, from what I read, and that's a quick look this morning, it seems like it's based on his book and it is quite real, like the idea of um stanley tucci's character is a is a victim look he's, he's his wife was a victim of the crash and he is then part of the compensation fund um, debate and he very much leads people against michael keaton he's saying that the the idea they've the formula they've got is wrong he says the website has fixed the fund um he actually did come around they became friends about it and the thing about the website changing to the funder's fix is real apparently so okay that yeah you're right in did to feel a bit simple, didn't it? So I don't know if it was that simple in real life, but it did have a Hollywood
1: it's... sort of feel. And yeah, yeah. when you see that happening, you're like, mm, "How much of this is true?" You know?
0: Yeah. Were and... they really
1: down to the wire of the last deadline, counting the packets that came in to see if they yeah, made it? You know?
0: I don't. Know. I don't know about that either. Yeah. But I, I don't think it was all made up. Is what I'm trying to get. I think there was uh, lots of truth to it. Hmm. And he's actually admitted himself that this is Ken Feinberg in real life. That he started off being quite distant and I think someone actually said he was quite cruel in his way of trying to distribute justice in this scenario. Um, I think that might've been Richard Wolfe, it was Charles Wolf, sorry, Stanley Tucci's character. Uh, but then he did come around and yeah, it has really changed him as mm. a person. So
1: mm.
0: shall we talk about Stanley Tucci then on his?
1: Please, always, <laughs> forever.
0: Well, what I want to say about him, and this is not so much about the themes and the the content that we've talking about so far which we'll get back to but Stanley Tucci is one of those actors who really inhabits the character he's in yeah and we said this about someone else recently I can't remember who it was now but it's like he's not performing he is the person and looking back at Stanley Tucci's career I think that is true of every single character he's played at least the ones that I've seen you know even though the you know the, the bigger ones in like Hunger Games for example but like Easy A he just becomes that dad in this film kind of playing i don't know about against type but he is known for his bigger more flamboyant characters in in some movies Mm. but he's very understated here he's not showy he he just is this person you know
1: it reminded me a little bit of his role in spotlight
0: Mm -hmm. yes
1: that was also like a small sort of quite thankless at times role Mm -hmm. um and i could see the parallels between the two performances but Yes, I know what you mean. He's perfect and wonderful. I, mean, <laughs> I know. I it's know
0: and, and, again, I'm not trying to make light of anything that happened in this movie or real-life events, but I'm just thinking of that, that tweet about Stanley Tucci. It's like, I'm not sure if I want him to be my dad or to be my, be my fun uncle who he takes me out, like, you know, to the pub, or he wants me to be my, my, my boyfriend maybe. Like, he's all those things at the same time.
1: <laughs> he is, all, all at once, all together.
0: Oh, yeah. And it's, it's oh, the saddest thing in the movie for me. Well, maybe not the saddest, but one of the saddest moments is the morning of. And we all know it's the morning of. Yeah. But the people are just leaving to go to work. And he doesn't even look up from his computer talking no. to his wife the and the other family that we sort of see a fair bit of. The dad, the mum's running around the kids and dad just like, oh, right, I've got to go early. See ya. And yeah, it's... Yeah, it's sad, isn't it? Because and no one knew, and, it, and it's not like it's you blame anyone for that. But we we have to live our lives, not thinking that, not expecting that we're going to have that sort of thing happen every day. Because you'd go go mad living a life like mm. that. But also, yeah, you just think I'd rather have my my last morning with my loved ones. You know, telling them how much I love them and all yeah. you know, all those things. But you you've got to live your life at the same time, haven't you?
1: Yeah, two two things opened up a nice segue there, which I'll move to mm. in a second, but it reminded me what you were talking about. Um, Johnny Sun, I follow on Twitter, he published a book of essays recently mm. and there's an essay in there called, I think it's Things You Do When the World Is Ending, and it's mm. a minute-by-minute minute sort of bullet point list of how you'd react in that moment. Mm. Um, it's so moving. I'll put it in the show notes if I can find okay, it. Cool. Um, essentially saying you know all you want to do is just be with your loved ones and have them close to you when it's the end which is just heartbreaking Mm. um the segue you opened quite nicely i thought was to start talking about some of the film's technical technical aspects Mm -hmm. um and something i wanted to talk about was the framing in the film so with that morning of none of those victims are really shown on screen you don't see their faces you don't you know, sometimes you hear them off screen saying something.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't realise until too late, do you, what what the film's doing?
1: No, you don't. I thought this could be clever. Yeah, really interesting. Um, and also I thought, particularly in the conversations between Michael Keaton's character and Stanley Tucci's character, they use split framing a lot. So they were really far on the left of screen or really far mm-hmm. on the right of screen, completely isolated from the other characters. There's no over-the-shoulder shots in this film. It's,
0: mm. you know...
1: This one person with this big expanse of background behind them, you know, and I interpret that mm-hmm. as meaning just a small person trying to battle against this entire mm. system in the world. And
0: I noticed a lot of shots that was sort of with reflections, with windows or through yes. glass, yeah, and and lots of um, yeah, like in behind doors and things like that. So again, I think that was a lot of Michael Keaton being that step removed from everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and things happening in like reflections of being like not so much the thing that occurred, which is 9-11, but the, the way we, we see it and the way it's reflected through throughout life and how we deal with it mm. year on year afterwards. Did you, that, that yeah. make sense? I yeah, think? yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: We should mention this is directed by Sarah Colangelo. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Mm. She's an indie director who um, hasn't done many things that I recognized.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's and it's based off the book that Ken Feinberg wrote about Yes. For the events. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah.
1: I thought that was interesting that they got sort of an indie filmmaker to make mm. a sort of big sort of Hollywood film about a, a traumatic event. Um mm. yeah. So I thought I just thought that was really cool. I just wanted to Yeah, it's now.
0: like you can see the way that a, a Spielberg or someone would have would have done this lots of shots of the American flag and <laughs> lots of, you know, horns and Things like that. That's what I'm sort of getting at before about it can very fall, much fall into the um, pro-American, like, jingoistic even. Yeah. And, like, it's a national trauma, so I'm not even saying that's a bad thing necessarily, but I liked how this film was a little bit understated. and It's a bit about, like, a side element, or a very important element, but it's not about the the day of or... No, you know, finding the guys who did it or anything like that. It's almost it was a like, cool way to look at it, I think.
1: Yeah, this insular sort of narrative with this little group of people in this office that's kind of removed from the main event but still trying to deal with it. Um,
0: yeah, and I thought it was quite interesting the way that um, Ken Feinberg, he wasn't involved in the government at that point point. Mm. Um, and he was like, I want to do this and no one else wanted to. Yeah. But it was kind of like a, a call to action for a lot of people in America at that time they wanted to do something and he's like well, what are my skills what can i do i can try and do this but then yeah the way he was trying to do it perhaps wasn't the, the right way especially how raw it all was yeah it's, I'll, I'll link this review that i'm talking with kind of talking a bit about that as well just yeah like and i don't know. i think in the they mentioned in one of the reviews i've got here that when he was doing the asian orange um compensation claims that was all happening like 10 15 years later mm-hmm. and so there is that bit of time has passed, and maybe you can think of things a little bit clinically, almost. But yeah, when it's months afterwards, and when you go to New York, and the um, they're still you know missing signs up, and people are still um, yeah, dealing with the. Tr- the you know, I realize I didn't realize this until this week. Sorry, this it does link that they were cleaning up Ground Zero for months. Yeah, like six months at least, and there were still fires going on there. Like
1: they were still pulling out bodies and.
0: Yeah, I just...
1: Some bodies were never recovered. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, yeah. just
1: It's so, so... traumatic. Like, it's just I know, an I know. unbelievable amount of trauma for people to handle.
0: Exactly. And then when you're trying to bring in a... Yeah, lawyers trying to work out how much money someone should get, you can totally see why people weren't um, responsive in the first instance to that.
1: Yeah.
0: Go to Bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's Bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
1: You mentioned before the sad bit for you were people, the victims who were leaving the morning of. Mm. I'm going to spoil quite a significant part of the film now, so if you mm-hmm. don't want to hear that, switch off, maybe come back okay. in 10 minutes or so.
0: But thanks for listening still, Ashley. Thanks.
1: I'm mad at you, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> nah, she's alright. Um, as part of their process of determining the funds, they bring in these people to who are the survivors or the left behinds um, to interview them about their loved ones and what paperwork they had and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And there's a guy who comes in um, who is gay, and his gay partner was killed in the towers. But they were two weeks out from their civil union ceremony, mm. and because of that, the state didn't recognise them as a couple. Um, and the victim's parents, estranged parents who did not accept or acknowledge that he was gay, um, mm-hmm. try to get the money over him. And there's this beautiful scene amy ryan's in this film which we haven't mentioned yet oh, who, we should have yeah. she's just incredible i mean gone baby gone the office like <laughs> i love her so much I think she's been in, Yeah. and it's just the most heartbreaking scene where she rings him and tells him that because of him they were able to give money to a whole bunch of people who were in same-sex relationships who wouldn't have otherwise been able to do that because they were able to contact mm. the governors of the states and come up with the sort of
0: yeah, They're able to weigh some of those rules about, yeah. same because we're 2001. We should, yes, <laughs> it's a different <laughs> yeah. time, isn't it? Um, yeah.
1: and then the most heartbreaking thing is that he couldn't be recognized because mm. they I think he was from Virginia and Virginia didn't recognize it and they were sort mm. of had their hands tied. But then that's the question this film asks is do they have their hands tied? Like Stanley's character says that a lot of Michael Keaton's character. You're the mm. special master. You're able to have discretion. Why are you like, oh, my hands are tired. I can't possibly do anything. Yes, you can. You 100% can. And I still feel like that a little bit with, with the gay guy. I was like, Michael, instead of building your beach house, you know, with all your blueprints and everything, maybe give some yeah. of that money to the guy. You know, that could be a nice thing to do. So. Yeah, I
0: don't know how much are you, you coming from? Because there's that great scene. Is that the opera of this one? Maybe it's in a different scene Yeah. where Stanley Tucci's like um, – you talk about these laws and these rules as if they've come down on high from Mount Sinai. Like, yeah. dude, you're the one who's got the discretion here. Maybe you should use it. And it, I, I like the tension there between like setting up rules that need to be fair for all coming up against what's fair for the individual person because you're totally right. There's, there's, there's no way that in some ways if you make an exception, everybody Well, why have rules at all. Exactly. You know, and – if it's if you're breaking the rule for one person and giving them a bit more, well, why are you not doing that for someone else? If if they've yeah. got also got circumstances, because, and that, that's that's the tension of the whole movie, we get.
1: But. Yeah, and I guess that the point is that there is no fair way of doing it. There's mm. not. Some people will end up with more money, and that's not necessarily fair. But you know they're trying at least. And that scene you're talking about was in um Ken's office, and it was a, a beautiful scene because you've been aligned the interesting thing is the film aligns us with michael keaton's character and stanley mm. tucci's character kind of comes into that which i thought was a bit of a different dynamic because normally we'd have the audience surrogate who would be charles wolf would be like this is wrong we need to change the system but aligning us with sort of not the bad guy but the guy who wasn't getting it and wasn't you know mm. affected you know he didn't lose any family members in 9 he wasn't involved in an emotional level I thought that was an interesting choice for the film obviously it's based on his memoirs and everything so I understand that but um that scene in particular you completely I found myself agreeing with both of them you know Mm -hmm. and Charles Wolfe is very much like the kind of person that I fall into sometimes when I'm facing like systemic or structural problems when I'm like why can't you just fix it why can't Mm -hmm. you and then, of course, Michael Keaton's character's like, oh, well, we can't because of A, B, and C. And then Stanley Tucci's like, but you can, though. You can. You could if you wanted to. <laughs> and it's just such an, such an interesting dynamic to play out on the screen. It does segue me into talking about something um, semi-funny, just to sort of lighten the mood a little bit, not that yeah. I should be doing that because of what we spoke about earlier, but I found it interesting that every scene with Stanley Tucci and Michael Keaton, they'd shake hands, say hello, have a big heated discussion and then one of them would walk off without saying goodbye <laughs> <laughs> and then the next time they see each other they shake hands and mm. say hello at the opera have a big heated discussion and then Stanley walks off and it's like say goodbye. <laughs> like, mm. What is going on? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that, that's it like I love that first scene in the when Mark Keaton's teaching his law class about you know what, what is life worth and it just comes down to the number that everyone agrees on um because like in some that's that's a view to have isn't it like yeah it's just like whatever we can all get to that's the number but yeah, yeah that's that's the academic way you yeah, clearly in a yeah. classroom that's they're the way lawyers you can deal as well so of yes. course they're
1: going to find something you know <laughs> yeah yeah
0: uh, i love the little metaphor about um you're not the bridge do you like that line or that story
1: I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't understand the metaphor. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Can you explain it to me?
0: Well, okay. So that's a line that Stanley Tucci says to Michael Keaton. Um, and Well Keaton's like, what the hell are you talking about? So he explains that he used to live in a small town and there was a bridge that was set to be demolished. And he got on this, the town council and he was campaigning for years and years to get the, the bridge um, protected. And then, you know, all of a sudden, it was rubble because he didn't, he couldn't save it, and there's a highway there instead. And his wife said to him, "You're not the bridge." So I think, I think he was trying to say that, um, even though you're part of this struggle, if it's over and you're ruined, and the the thing that you're fighting for hasn't worked, that's not you. And it wasn't, it wasn't a um, all for nothing, but at the same time, you don't have to. Don't feel like you're the because you failed here that you are a failure yourself. Mm. Um, so, thinking about it now in context, though, I'm not quite sure how that works. Like, who's supposed to be the bridge there? I guess Michael Keaton.
1: I think Michael Keaton, right? And it's like, mm. if this doesn't work out, then it's not your fault. Maybe that was, you know. Oh, that's
0: right. Think. Sorry. Because he was saying at that point, Michael Keaton was saying, hey, we, we're hamstrung, the hands are tied, and all these things aren't working. And yeah, Stanley's kind of saying, Luckily, if it doesn't work, it shouldn't work. Oh, that's right. I mean, he's like, let yeah. it
1: die then. If it's going to die, then that's what should happen.
0: Yeah, but Mark mm. is, is very prag- pragmatic. Yes. He's trying <laughs> to get something working, and yeah, that's it's very interesting. I think you could look at it through lots of different perspectives mm. and, and lenses, couldn't you? From those yeah. sort of all those tensions,
1: and it's a real turning point for his character in the narrative as well, because he's, you know, he knows he has to go and engage with these people. He has to open himself mm. up to the emotional side of it, and he doesn't mm. know how to do that.
0: And I think, yeah, you can be part of a struggle and part of something, but then that doesn't have to define you. You don't have to define yourself based on the outcome. Sometimes it's a struggle that is just as important as as what happens to the bridge. Yeah. Now, Michael Keaton, in, in relation to him, to Stanley Tucci, becoming the character and really inhabiting that person, even just the smallest moments, like the way he looks away or... Smiles to himself, and he really just feels like a real person you're watching on screen. Yeah. And Michael Keaton is also a great actor, but he's more of like a vibes character actor. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you know what, what do I you mean? mean?
1: The vibes.
0: I feel like you don't bring Michael Keaton into in inhabit a character. You bring him into to play someone who's a bit like Michael Keaton. He brings all his. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like.
1: <laughs> I mean, I kind of know what you mean.
0: Like him as the founder, or, or him in the McDonald's movie. Or in Birdman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, in you know, that, he's bringing you sort of tough, like, he's very smart, like, super smart, but also he might beat you up if he needed to, like, <laughs> all those things. Don't you get that sort of vibe from him? And that's if you want him to do that. I mean, like, he, I don't know if he could play Stanley Tucci's character in this, you know what I mean?
1: No, I don't think he could have. I The Boston accent for me didn't work at all. Um it was...
0: yeah park the
1: car. Yeah, it didn't.
0: I, pack the car, no, pack the car, isn't it? I
1: think yeah. so. I didn't, um, yeah, didn't buy into that. I think <laughs> the thing is I don't see the character. I see Michael Kitten doing an accent. So, um, mm. yeah, I get what you mean in terms of vibes.
0: But I still, he's still one of the best, though. Here's the thing, though. It wouldn't, mm.
1: it wouldn't be a podcast without me having a couple of small gripes, which, you okay. know, I bring the, the silliness. You bring the actual thoughtful analysis
0: no it's not like quite that
1: um so one thing in the film tipped me off early on that uh ken was not the nicest of people
0: mm-hmm. what's that can
1: you can you think about what might have been in the film
0: was it when his dog ran away and He just took the phone okay that's all? my
1: second one <laughs> okay. he lets the dog run away and then tries to reach for the lead Granted, yeah. the dog's not running. It's kind of trotting away. But then he's like, yeah. oh, okay, I guess I'll just sit here and take the phone call. No, take the dog. And we don't see him get the dog. We just see him appear next time at the beach with the dog. Does so, that I mean the yeah. dog was there the whole time, just at the beach, just having a fun time, and you left?
0: You know, the way I thought about that is that the, the dogs that have been part of our lives. If you let them go for two seconds, look away, they'd be off in a different continent. <laughs> they'd be on a boat. They'd be on a plane. They'd be waving goodbye. <laughs> they'd be gone they wouldn't care
1: that's what you get for owning dogs who love scent trails they're just nose down off yep. they go but no the thing that made me feel like that there's a scene early on in the law phone where he's walking in for the day and someone has a piece of cake someone <laughs> okay. has a piece of cake because it's someone's birthday in the office and you know what he does walks up to the guy with his plate of cake picks it up with his fingers and takes some for himself
0: yeah, Does he tell the man of Anstein?
1: <laughs> I think that's classified information, Let me. <laughs> I don't know if I can expand on that without getting some people into trouble, so I'm just going to slide right over that.
0: Leave <laughs> anyway... me in my place. Anyway. If you want to hear more about that story.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think you're allowed to say. You get me in trouble. Anyway, you can't steal someone's cake. I. I think I'm very much a person, I don't like people taking my food. If I say, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to McDonald's and I say, would you like some chips? And you say, nah, that's fine. And then I get home with my chips and you take some of my (laughs) chips. You're on my my blacklist, honestly. You told me you didn't want any chips. I had allocated a certain amount of chips for myself. That's all gone out the window, isn't it? If you try and have some. (laughs) Similarly, I cut myself a nice slice of cake excited for my cake I know how many bites I'm going to get out of my cake I leave the nice bits to the end and then some rando comes up and takes <laughs> some of my cake
0: he's the boss though Sinead I That's don't the boss's care work.
1: I don't care
0: what would you have done if you were in that situation
1: I would have put my arms out and gone what the hell that was my <laughs> cake and then I probably would have gone back and gotten another slice for myself <laughs> yeah. anyway I'm just saying that there's this old, you know, storytelling trope where if you want to show that a guy's nice, you have him pat a dog. And if you want to mm. show that a guy's mean, you have him kill a dog or kick a dog. I'm going to change that. I think how you show a guy's mean is by stealing someone else's <laughs> cake.
0: <laughs> well, it's funny. I was thinking about that exact um, trope actually, tonight because he's got the dog and the dog is like looking at him, loving him mm-hmm. early on in the film. He's looking, he's like, why is the dog looking at me? Like, dude,
1: um, the dog Because you're you. its father and... You birthed it, and it would like to have a meaningful connection with you. How dare you?
0: Yeah, but I get that it was showing that he was yeah perhaps not he's more academically or legally inclined than emotionally inclined. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I just realised that I I wrote in my notes on my phone quickly while watching the football last night after I watched this is that I wrote um, Stably Tucci rather than Stanley. So Stably. Stably.
1: Okay. Is that what he's known as for now?
0: (laughs) Well, if he. Was to stab people, sure.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I would really recommend Worth, though. I think mm. it um it maybe could have gone deeper, and I don't know the high stakes action, which you sort of alluded to, but there was like a ticking clock, and there's a strong emotional core, and it really is like, it you know, wouldn't shouldn't be a surprise that a movie about nine eleven and the victims has some very emotional scenes, and mm. you might you know shed a few tears about it. But um yeah, maybe it could have I oh, did a pretty good job of exploring some of these tensions, but I don't know. Did you feel like maybe it was missing something from being like a really fantastic, like best Picture nominee? Yeah,
1: I did do. Like feel a step like below was, that? Somehow? Yeah. I'm not sure why though. I can't really put my finger on why. Mm. Perhaps I really it, liked it though. So. Yeah, it was good. Perhaps it's a bit bit sort of paint by numbers, maybe like mm. I sort of know, like when he was at the opera, I'm like, oh, he's going to go through the files and look through them all night and then he's going to fall asleep and then Amy Ryan's going to mm. find him. And that literally happened after I thought that, yeah. you know, where she walks in mm. and he's been awake all night and working through the paperwork and stuff. and
0: Yeah, true. maybe did feel like they'd sort of taken this real-life event and then moulded it to the, the three-act structure of a movie. Yeah, which yeah. I
1: always think about you and your complaints with First Man and you really don't like it (laughs) when something true like gets molded to a Hollywood sort of thing.
0: I think you might have mistaken me. I haven't seen First Man.
1: Wait, what was the film then? You said it because you were like, (laughs) you were like, I, I realize I'm being the guy who told me about suits. That's actually a funny story. So I was at a, we were at a party once. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Very early on in our relationship, like a few months
1: and there was a guy, one of your friends or a friend of a friend?
0: Yeah, he's a friend. I don't see him anymore, but we're friends. He said
1: to me, Oh, thanks for your recommendation of suits. I really liked it. And I said to him, The, the, the
0: show suits, by the way, Sorry, not just the, yes. the clothing.
1: <laughs> and I said, I, I are you sure that was me? He's like, Yep, yep, definitely you. And I was like, Because I haven't seen suits. I haven't seen a single episode. No, no, it was definitely you, definitely you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, I don't think it was me because I haven't seen the show. No, no, it was definitely you. I remember yeah. it. I remember you telling me.
0: And I don't think he was, he might've been messing with us, but also maybe he wasn't. I don't think
1: he was. <laughs> he, he genuinely, because I don't think I'd met him before that point.
0: Maybe once, I think, maybe, I don't know.
1: I've never maybe seen not. Suits, guys. <laughs> Stop telling me I've seen it. <laughs> mm. Um, because you said, okay, back to the first man thing. Now I'm so mm. confused. Have I had a Mandela effect moment? Mm. I thought you said that you hated it because it, there was something at the last minute that they turned into like a Hollywood thing, and they did something with the rocket. Was this maybe Hidden Figures that you had that could have been? Complaint hidden with
0: figures, yeah. and you
1: were like, that's not what happened in real life. They were just doing it to get to ring drama out of the moment
0: i've definitely made that complaint before one one movie that does that quite dramatically is argo Mm. and then towards the end of argo they're like trying to get through the to the plane to get all the people out who've been held there um and then they get on the plane and someone works it out and all of a sudden they've got (laughs) on the tarmac and they have got the the jeeps and they're shooting at the plane and it's all like apparently in real life it's like they just got on yeah (laughs) it's fine
1: yeah so I did yeah. feel. I, I guess my point was, I did feel a little bit in this. I always think about things like that and, like, well, how much of this is true, you know? And that's, I, I have this weird sort of relationship with biopics or films that are that are mm-hmm. based on true events because you're not you're not watching the real thing, but you're learning about something that's real, but you don't know whether the information that's being given to you is factual or not.
0: That's right, and then people. Rightly or wrongly, start to believe what happened in the movie. Exactly, was Exactly, because it forms... even if even if they on one level they know that it's not actually because it's a movie, but they're like, well, all I know about this is what I saw in the movie, yeah. so kind of on one level, I do I think it's what happened. Yeah,
1: it forms part of the sort of cultural tapestry of events and how we mm-hmm. how we talk about things and communicate with each other and process things. So I don't know. Mm. That's a weird thing for me. I don't have a poignant point to make. I'm just sort of mm. a bit like, well, did this really happen?
0: Well, if you want to hear more about my complaints about biopics, there's an episode of I Miss You Man, my other podcast I do with my friend Dylan, where I just complained about biopics in some of the, the um, things that I've, I've worked out in the past that weren't true and registered just annoyed changes. me. Yeah, mainly about Hamilton, which is, I know it's not a biopic, but, you know, it's based on true events, mm-hmm. and the song from um, Taylor Swift. not important right now, but you
1: know, <laughs> I'll link about her it in the, the show notes.
0: In the house, and she's like, in her neighbour to the cat and it was actually a dog, like whatever the life is. Oh,
1: Last Great American Dynasty is what you're we mm-hmm, talking mm-hmm. about. Okay. They switched the, the cat to a dog in the song lyrics. Is that what you're saying?
0: Why? <laughs> Why would they do that?
1: Uh, maybe it fit better lyrically?
0: Don't purport to be doing a song about the person who owns your house and then make up things, Fair Taylor. Enough. Fair enough. Yeah, we've, we've gone wildly off track here.
1: We have. I'm going to pull back. I didn't back. think we were
0: going to mention Taylor Swift or Amanda Vanstone <laughs> in today's episode, but here we are.
1: Did anyone have that on their bingo cards? Let me
0: know. Yeah, you know, they did have their bingo card, though, today.
1: What? I know it's coming. I'm prepared this time.
0: <laughs> no, nah, I'm not going to mention it. It's all good. Um, so I would recommend... Emily in Paris. Oh. There we go. There we go. <laughs> um, I would recommend you watch Worth if you, if you feel up to it. I um, it's kind of topical at the moment, given that we're in the 20-year anniversary. Um, but, you know, we live in a post-9-11 world, so everything is kind of linked to that in some way, isn't it?
1: Yeah, very much so.
0: Um,
1: just quickly before we go, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Shinori Ramathan, who played Priya in the film. Mm-hmm. She was in The Big Sick, which I forgot about. Oh, right. But she was the one who he was sort of set up with to be married yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. and great she
1: movie. she's a great character in this film. You know, she was supposed to start work in one of the towers that week mm. and didn't for some reason or did, but... I think she start, like
0: later that week. It was like a Monday and she was starting on a Thursday, that sort yeah, of thing, I think. Yeah. yeah,
1: and it was sort of the end mm. for Stanley Sheehy's character to sort of um, mm. start to appreciate these people are human as well who were trying to do the system and mm-hmm. she was just really, really great. I really liked her performance and she was, yeah, stand out for me.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a – the film's overpowered by Michael Keaton and Tilly Tucci, I suppose, but the other actors do have their quiet moments, which yeah I liked.
1: definitely. What are you going to rate this one, Lonnie?
0: I'm going to give it four stars today.
1: Four stars?
0: Hmm. Mm. But as I said, um, maybe he's not the top tier, but, like, what is top tier, you know, let's face it. So, yeah, I really liked it and – I kind of had to build myself up, uh, build myself up to watch it because of the the content, but and it's quite emotional. But I really liked it as well. So hmm.
1: it wasn't as harrowing as I thought it would be. I hope that doesn't no. come across as insensitive, but um, no. I found myself able to handle it. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, um, I think I'm going to give it three and a half stars. Okay, because I liked it. It's a good film. I don't think you're going to be disappointed with it if you watch it, mm. um, but it just didn't really speak to me, and I don't know. A couple of little complaints. Cut mm.
0: the, the cake, for example. The cake—that's a whole star.
1: It is really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's very. It's just. It was nice though in some ways just to watch adult drama because mm. you know I love my the comedies and I love watching superhero movies and stuff, but it was also good sometimes to watch just the proper movie for adults too. So yeah. I like that that aspect of it. Well, thank you very much for listening. We're not sure what's happening next, um, given that Sine can't leave the house. Space station. That's not not lockdown. It's because he's just got an ankle bracelet on. not really sure why, but... I do not.
1: I'm in the International Space Station. I can't leave. Okay. There's no oxygen outside the... That's
0: what she says. ...the thing. (laughs) Um, But looking at maybe some TV shows to work on in the meantime, but it's good to have a watch a movie because it only takes two hours, you know? Anyway... Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Please tell your friends, like us, get in touch on Twitter. It'd be really nice to, um, to get in touch with you all.
1: Like us and also like us, you know, like, like the podcast, but also like us as people.
0: That's my whole point in life is trying to get people to like me.
1: we are such people pleasers.
0: That's right. All right. Thank you, everybody. See you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Amanda.
1: Bonnie, she's not going to listen to the podcast. <laughs>